many cameras already here <laughs> to take all what's uh, going on. Uh, before I do that, it's always a pleasure to dedicate uh, our children to the Lord. It is. And uh, I always have a uh, little story about little children and what they do. Uh, and today I have a story I'd like to share with you. A uh, little boy asked his mother where he came from. Did you ever face this one? <laughs> and also where she had come from as a baby. His mother gave him a tall tale about a beautiful white feathered bird. <laughs> the boy ran into the next room and asked his grandmother the same question and received a variation on the third story, on the bird story. Then he ran outside to his friend with a comment. He said, Timmy, you know, there hasn't been a normal birth in our family for three generations. <laughs> They're smart. <laughs> so, with that, let's, uh, if you have your Bibles, I want to read a few verses. From 1 Samuel, the book of 1 Samuel. Verse 20, it's the story of a Hannah, the woman who had no children. And she prayed to the Lord. And finally, God gave her a child. And we'll take it from verse 20, first chapter of 1 Samuel, verse 20. And it came about in due time, after Hannah had conceived, that she gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, saying, Behold, because I have asked him of the Lord. Let's go to verse 24. Now when he, she had weaned him, the boy Samuel, she took him up with her with a three-year-old bull and one ephah of flour and a jug of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, although the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and brought the boy to Eli, the priest. And she said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood there here beside you, praying to the Lord. For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has given me my petition, which I asked of him. So I have also dedicated him to the Lord, as long as he lives. He is dedicated to the Lord. And he wor she worshipped there and stayed there all the time. She left him there. We are all uh, excited to see our children grow up in the church. And I want to tell you something this morning. Caitlin was born again in this church. She grew up here. Then Rick Punzo found the Lord in this church and gave his life to the Lord. And they both finally met and got married. They grew up in
our church. We were not as many, but we thank God for the numbers that we have. And they got married in the church. And then finally, the Lord blessed them with this beautiful girl, Kayla. Rick and Caitlin have come at this very moment acknowledging and professing their dependence on the Lord to raise little Kayla. Rick and Caitlin, they realize also that children are a gift from him. And Kayla is a special gift and a special blessing. Yes? Amen. So many parents, and I not saying here, many, when they have children, they become a burden to them. And this bleeds my heart because children are not burdens, they are blessings. And especially if we raise them in the fear of the Lord. There'll be a blessing. The question at this moment is, what are we going to do with this awesome gift from him? I have three points. So you can remember them quick, and we'll do that. First responsibility is to be faithful to the Lord. This means that before a parent can dedicate their children to the Lord, they must love the Lord themselves. You cannot say, I'm going to give my own life, take my child, I leave him for Sunday school, you raise him, and he'll be dedicated to the Lord. This is not going to happen. This will not happen. You have to bring this child, and you have to dedicate yourself as a parent to the Lord before you dedicate your husband, your, your children. So remember that. Husbands and wives, those who are planning to have children, may the Lord help us to dedicate ourselves first. There are many parents who go through the motion with their Christianity. They do what the church expects them to do. They bring their children to be dedicated. Because what? It's a tradition of our church. They follow the tradition. But this is not so with the children of God. If we expect our children to be godly, trusting, and believing, and faithful in the Lord, we need to do as Moses did of old. And as it says in the Bible, my servant Moses. You know who said my servant Moses? God, the Lord himself. He said, my servant Mo Moses, he is faithful in all my household. That's the very first thing, faithfulness to the Lord. Rick and Caitlin are faithful. And they have been faithful, consistent, supportive. And we thank God for this new family that we have in the church. And may God bless them with more children. In due time, in due time. <laughs> That's what, what you said, first responsibility to be faithful to the Lord. The second one, Rick and Caitlin, is to be examples. Parents need to be examples to their children. They have to be the ones who sing praises before them. They have to be the ones to show their children what a Christ-like 
home is. When the child awakens or to this life, what should he hear or she hear? Is it songs, hymns of praising God they hear? Is it arguments they hear? Is it fighting they hear? Or it is the language of the love of love, which is the language of the Lord Jesus Christ they hear? Bible reading, do they hear? Devotions, do they see you take? And it should be a way of life. That's how we set examples to our children. So the children will grow up loving the Lord and following the examples of their fathers and mothers. She's talking to me. Don't worry about that. Let's remember, parents, and Rick and Caitlin, let's remember this, and all parents, that their eternity, our children's eternity, is dependent on the example we set for them when they are still children. If they are without any, any example, when they grow up, they will not make the right choice. And then you start saying what happened. Where did I go wrong? Rick and Caitlin, I'm very pleased with the way you are raising Caitlin. Praise God for that. Kayla. And I pray. Well, we, we helped raise Caitlin, okay. Your example, as good parents, first faithful, second, being an example, will guarantee Kayla a prosperous and wonderful future. The third thing I want to leave with you this morning, your responsibility is to keep the Lord always before your children. Always. There's not a day that should go by that we are not helping our children understand the Lord better. Whether you tell them stories, you live a Christian life before them, and bring them to Sunday school so they can learn more about God. It is your responsibility and this responsibility is first to our spouses, and when they see us being responsible, they learn responsibility from their little babyhood and childhood. If we lose our family, if we lose our children's love, guess what? We will have sorrow in the future. How many parents? I've talked to many. I don't know what happened. My children don't listen to me. They don't obey me. They argue a lot with me. Well, needless to say, it's they are imitators. Children take after their what? Parents. 
You know that. And so let's put the Lord before their eyes, before we put anything else, before we introduce them to the world, before we introduce them to any hobby in the world, put the Lord, let their hobby be that I want to love the, world, the Lord first in my life. And then all the rest will come. Their hobbies will be okay. Their sports will be okay. And you will be happy to see your children growing to love the Lord and to honor God and to obey you and obey God Almighty. Please save yourselves the sorrow and do all you can to be that example you should be and train her in the love of Jesus Christ. Rick and Caitlin, this is a great responsibility. And this is a great responsibility for every parent. And I'm confident that you will raise Kayla in the fear of the Lord. And I'm confident, confident that you will train her to love the Lord. You'll bring her, bring her to church. She started coming to church early in her life, right? And she's a member of this church. Can you believe that now? Praise God. Why do we want them to be a member of a, of a medical institution? Because I'm sure if she goes to Kaiser now, they have her Kaiser card written there. And she goes as Caitlin and K uh, Kayla Punzo. So why her name is written in heaven already. And Kayla is a member of the family of God. And we welcome her this morning. And we are so happy to dedicate her to the Lord. And would you please come up here, both of you. Can you see her? She's a quiet girl, isn't she? Well, we uh, welcome her and we pray that Kayla will grow to be a great woman of God. If the Lord tarries, she'll be still serving the Lord in this church. And should he come, guess what? We will be all together going to heaven. Kayla, her mom and dad and all of us. Oh Lord, come. And may God bless her. Let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to bless her and bless her mom and dad. Our Father, as we dedicate Kayla today to you, we remember what Hannah of all did. She took her son to the temple and left him there. And we take Kayla and Put her at your feet, and Lord, we leave her in your arms. Your arms are stronger than the arms of Rick or Caitlin. Your place is better than any other place, and may we always find her loving you, loving her parents, and if we lose her, we lose her in Sunday school, in the church. And we thank you for godly people. We thank you for our mom and dad, 
who grew up loving you. And we pray that they'll be the example we know them to be all the time. Bless them with your love and kindness and wisdom. And bless her as she grows. She will know you early. She'll give you her life and she'll serve you as long as she lives. In Jesus' name, we dedicate her. Amen. Say hi. Say hi to everyone. Look at them. Okay, Grandpa. You got it? We're waiting on Jim. She's what, uh, five months? She's five months old. Amen. God bless her. It's good to commit our children to the Lord. And now, let's all listen to a song that Taylor is going to sing to us. starts with a desire planted deep within your heart you pray in faith and wait for God to move but time passes and you wonder did he hear me when I called should I even have prayed that prayer at all you'll never a prayer, a prayer, your father will not answer, he can't ignore his child's earnest request, while you're waiting and believing for what you thought was best, trust God if he says no, you're, you're still blessed. time when childlike faith must graduate to trust trials come and you're convinced you're on your own but the teacher is often silent while you're in the hardest test and he'll answer when it's time with what is best you'll never pray child's earnest request. So while you're waiting 
Thank you. Lovely song, lovely singing, lovely cheeks on the baby. <laughs> I was looking at the cheeks. Squeezable. But let's uh, open up our Bibles this morning to Ezekiel, chapter 33 of Ezekiel. And while we're doing that, let's, uh, let's just pray that the Lord would be honored today. And we praise you, Lord, this afternoon. We praise you, first of all, for how you blessed us uh, this morning at worship, Lord, how you encouraged us to just be thankful and reminded us of what you've done for each one of us, Lord. And the dedication was sweet, Lord, and we just thank you for this family. We, we pray for all of those in attendance today, Lord. We pray that you would speak to them the words that you know they need to hear and to touch places that you know need to be touched and that decisions would be made that you know need to be made today and that you would be blessed and you would be honored. In your name we pray, amen. So, Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 10 and 11 and I'm going to read it in the Living Translation. And you have your own Bibles. But it says, Son of man, give the people of Israel this message. You are saying, our sins are heavy upon us. We are wasting away. How can we survive? As sure, surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so that they can live. Turn, turn from your wickedness, O people of Israel. Why should you die? What a blessing that is that our God will say that. And I want everybody to really, really think about this God that we're talking about today. We all walked in here with our conception of, of who God is and those that have a right conception of who he is, you've been blessed because you've come to a right decision if you have a right 
perspective on who our God is, but some do not have the right perspective on who our God is, but this statement is surely it rings in my ears and in my heart, and I want it to ring in your hearts. He says to these people who are dying in their sins and hurting and in pain, he says, as surely as I live, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I'm not happy when the wicked go to hell. I'm not pleased for those who make the decision to say no thanks. I am not happy. I am distressed in my heart. That is the God of the Bible. That is the true God who looks out into humanity and he says, as surely as I am, I take no pleasure that any would die in their sins without me. I'm saddened and burdened by that. Please hear that message today. And the first point is, who are the wicked? Because that's very important, because when he says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, you, we have to describe who the wicked are. Who are these wicked people? Well, the definition of wicked in the Bible is morally bad in principle or practice sinful having committed unrighteous acts, a sinful person. Now, anybody who walks through these doors, you tell me if you're a person that can say that I'm not a wicked person. It sounds strong, doesn't it? Wicked sounds like a strong term to use to describe people. And people don't want to hear that definition of, of them, myself included. But I am one of the wicked, and you are one of the wicked. We are all wicked. We all are, have sinned. And that's all it means, is you are a sinner. We're all sinners. And I read something by a man who was talking, and he was talking to another preacher, and he was telling him about, a Dr. Howard from Australia who preached a very strong message on sin. It was really strong. And after the service, one of the church officers came to the council room and wanted to speak with him because he wasn't really pleased with that message. And he says, we don't want you to talk so openly about man's guilt and corruption. We don't like that. Because our boys and our girls are hearing the discussing of that subject, and they'll be more easily, they will be more easily become sinners. Call it a mistake, if you will, but do not speak so plainly about sin. And the minister looked down at a small bottle, showing it to the visitor, and said, You see what this label says? It's strychnine. And underneath, in bold red letters, the word poison. Do you know, man, what you are asking me to do? You're asking me to change the label. You're asking me to paste the new label on there. And let's not call it sin, but let's call it the essence of peppermint. Don't you see what might happen? Someone would use it not knowing the danger involved and would certainly die. So it is, too, with the matter of sin. The milder you make the label, the more dangerous you make the poison. 
And I refuse today to make sin like peppermint candy. It leads to death of all. All of us in this room are sinners. We've sinned against God. We've broken his law. We've lied. We've cheated. Some of us have maybe said, well, I've only told the white lies, the green lies, the blue lies, the gold lies. I don't know what kind of lie it is. But he says, if you lied, you sinned. And all of us have at least lied. We can keep going down the commandments. I don't think we need to go past lying because we all have lied in our lives. And we commit one sin, we are guilty. But remember, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Because the wicked are those that have sinned. And the Bible says that all sinners are going to hell. But I take no pleasure in that, says the Lord. I don't want you to go to hell. And Psalm 106 says, we have sinned, even our fathers sinned. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. And Romans says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. The Bible says all of us, me and you and every person on this planet are sinners. So when we talk about who are the wicked, we are the wicked. We are the sinners. We are. We've sinned against a God who's perfect and said, this is my law. And we all have broken that law. All of us. So we have to understand that before we can really understand the scripture. To understand that God is talking to us today and he is saying, you are part of the wicked. And some might say that this all seems unfair. But remember, just wait a minute. Remember, God finds no what? Pleasure in the death of the wicked because he knows the wicked's destination is hell. That's what it is to a holy God. He can't offer any other option except that. The payment for sin is death. The second point, which is our wonderful point in this passage, is God finds no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He finds no pleasure in it. He doesn't want you to go to be without him. He doesn't want me to go with, to be without him. So he came to me one day when I was 40 years old and after calling on me and chasing me and chasing me and chasing me for years and years and years, he brought me to my knees and said, Ron, I have no pleasure in you going to be in hell. Come to me. Accept me. Allow me to change you. And I did, and I will never be the same, and I'm so happy in Jesus this morning. Now, in order to really understand this point, let's go to John chapter 8. Because I think it's wonderful to read a story that's a beautiful story. Chapter 8 of John is a wonderful story, and I think it just fits this passage so well, so incredibly well. It's chapter 8 of John. And the first verse says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, 
And at dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made, their sta made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, he commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using the question to trap him in order that they might have a basis for accusing him. Now, let's stop for a minute. What about us? Think about this situation. She was caught in the act of adultery. She was caught in the act. What would we want to happen to a perpetrator such as her? What would we want to happen to her? Think about a courtroom situation where you have somebody who is actually, and we've seen, because they like to show courtrooms today, they like to actually show people live who are going through a travesty, a family where a family member was harmed. And you see the guy there, and all of the witnesses come, and they testify. And he might have actually had a witness that saw him in the act of committing the crime. And the judge and the jury read the verdict, guilty. He's guilty, and he was guilty. And then the sentence is read, death, or even maybe life imprisonment. Do you see shouts of joy sometimes from the people? And I don't blame them. Don't get me wrong. If my kids were harmed and I went to a courtroom, I might actually blow it and actually show pleasure if the man that hurt my children was going to be incarcerated forever. I would take pleasure that he would be found guilty. But many people have a wrong impression. We look at God and we kind of transfer that to God. And we actually think of a God like that, that God looks at people like that. These people, I've seen them celebrating when somebody was getting ready to die. And I understand that. But our God does not celebrate. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Even though the wicked are caught in the act, he catches us in the act 24-7. In the mind, there is acts of violence and hatred. And he catches it, and he films it, and he has a whole list for me, and he has a whole list for you too, a whole list of sins that we've committed. But he doesn't take any pleasure in the wicked dying. And what does that mean, the wicked dying? The wicked getting what they deserve for the acts that they committed. Don't we want people to get what they deserve? That's the God of the Bible who looks at earth and all of the, the, the filth and the violence, and he takes no pleasure that the people who are sinning and are doing these evil acts and are away from him, who are mocking him, and pointing their finger at him, he takes no pleasure. 
that they would die in their sin. But let's read on. It says, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his fingers. Verse 6. Verse 7 says, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw the stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. What was he writing? You ever thought about that? I don't know, and writers have commented on different things. Maybe he was writing all the names of those people there, the sinner list. And they were all on the list. All of them were sinners. And he had her name on the list, too, because she was a sinner. She was caught in the act of adultery. She was no different. But he says, anyone who's without sin, you cast the first stone. It touched their heart to a point where the older ones, and you know, the older ones had a little bit more wisdom, dropped their stones sooner, and they walked away because they realized, I'm a sinner too. And some of them were actually guilty of the same crime, but she was caught in the act, and they weren't. We're all caught in the act, all of us. So what is he writing? In verse 9, it says, as we go on, it says, At this, those who heard began to go away all at once, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. And then Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one come to condemn you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go and leave your life of sin. Now, he doesn't take any pleasure. This woman deserved death. It was the law. But what did he do? He said, I, have no, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I'm offering you my gift of salvation today. Receive it. She received it, and she walked away a new woman. He says, go and live the life I've called you to live now and sin no more. Now, just think, if God had taken any pleasure in the death of the wicked, some of you right now, present, long ago, would be in hell. Do you know that God looks at us and he sees us so intimately that for 40 years I could have gone to hell. I can give you a whole list of things that I've done that God could have said, Ron, who in the heck do you think you are mocking me and doing the things you're doing? You deserve hell, and I'm just sending you to hell. But he didn't. He didn't. We deserve that judgment, but God says, no, I'm not giving you that judgment. We were caught in the act just like this woman. We're caught in the act plenty of times. And God says, no, I'm not going to give you that judgment. I'm going to give you a choice. I'm going to give you an opportunity. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I was reading something by Spurgeon about judges, and he says, furthermore, remember that the perfection of the character of God as a moral ruler of the universe, he is a judge of all, and he must do right. Now, if a judge upon the bench were known to take delight in punishment of offenders, he ought to be removed at once, for it would be clear 
that he was thoroughly unfit for his office. A man who would take pleasure in handing out imprisonment would be a catastrophe. Can you imagine a judge when people are, are guilty that he just kind of throws both fists up in the air and that he didn't have any compassion for anybody? That's not our God. But such as one is God who take no pleasure either in sin or the punishment, which is the consequence of sin. He hate both sin and its consequences. When the sinner must be condemned or else the foundations of society would be out of course, then he delivers the terrible sentence. But even then, it is with unfeigned reluctance. And he cries, how can I give thee up? He cries, how can I give you up? And do you know people come in here all the time? There are people who are in here today that think they are Christians. And they come in here every day, every Sunday, sometimes on Mondays and Wednesdays. And they come in here and they walk through the doors and God doesn't strike them down. God doesn't do anything to harm them. God doesn't do anything to hurt them. He doesn't send them to, to hell. He doesn't kill them. He doesn't make them get into an auto accident. And they actually walk in the doors and they kind of feel confident that I think everything is okay. And God says, the reason I've allowed you to walk through these doors again this Sunday is because I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And I'm giving you another chance. And I'm trying to impress upon your heart. I'm loving you into the kingdom. I'm keeping on squeezing you and touching you and hugging you, and caressing you, and loving you. Why? Because I take no pleasure in you going to hell. I don't want to see you in hell. I don't want to see you suffer. I don't want to see you without me. He wants all of us to be with him in heaven. So he takes no pleasure in us dying in our sins. He doesn't. And we take that sometimes as God is not even checking things out, doesn't even know what's going on. When he does, it's just love that stops him from doing what he should do to each one of us. He loves us so much. Look at how many people a few years ago, a couple years ago, in this church who said they thought they were saved. And there was a whole group of them that came up within a period of time and said, I realize I'm not saved. And they came to a true knowledge of Christ. And their lives have never been the same. And they know the joy of Christ now because God took no pleasure in them living that lie. He took no pleasure. He says, I am allowing you to come and to come, but I'm pressing on your heart and I'm loving you. I'm showing my kindness. I'm keeping on keeping on you because I take no pleasure in you going to be without me. I don't want you to go to hell. I read a story about a neighbor's cat who was run over by a car, and a woman quickly disposed of the remains before a four-year-old son, Billy, found out about it. After a few days, though, Billy asked about the cat, and Billy, his mother said, the cat, he died, and I'm sorry, but it's all right. He's up in heaven with God. And the boy thought a little bit. You know, boys are, you know, and kids are wonderful. He said, but he asked, 
What in the world would God want with a dead cat? <laughs> and you know, that, that's, that hit me. What in the world would God want with a, a wicked person who doesn't want to be in heaven? What in the world would God want? Why would he want us to be there if we don't want to be there? What in the world would God do with a sinner who's not confessed their sins and allowed Christ to change their life? What in the world? It would be like a, kind of like a dead cat. Why? Remember, he takes no pleasure. And I was talking to my daughter, and I asked her, you know, because I like to ask the kids, you know, what they think, and I kind of don't, I don't tell them regarding the message, but I asked her, you know, what do you think the Lord, and why do you think he doesn't find pleasure in sinners going to hell? I made it clear to her. She's 11 years old, raised in this church, and she said it within a second. She said very quickly, because they won't be with him. He doesn't want you not to be with him. That's why he takes no pleasure in the wicked dying. That's why he keeps putting up with things. He watches, he sees us come in and out. He watches us live our lives, and he sees it all clearly. And he says, I don't take any pleasure with that. He actually groans in displeasure. Groans. And you know, some people mock him for that. They do. They mock him. It's like, well, if there's a God, where is he? If there's a God, why does he let catastrophes hit the world the way they're hitting the world? And why does he let things go on? Well, I'm going to tell you why he lets things go on. And, and Second Peter and a brother reminded me of this scripture and I thank God for him he says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise his promise was I'm going to come one day and I'm going to take you to be with me that was his promise he says I'm not slow in keeping that promise as some understand slowness he is patient with you not wanting anyone <clears throat> excuse me to perish but everyone to come to repentance Everyone. <coughs> Excuse me. He doesn't want any one of us to die in our sins. And Satan doesn't want me to keep talking. <laughs> but I don't care what you say, Satan. I'm going to speak the truth. Our God loves us so much that he puts up with us so much and he allows things to happen. Thank you, Dean. Because he takes no pleasure in anybody going to be without him in hell. You may hear people say that God is sending people to hell, but that is not correct statement. God does not send people to hell. Man goes there by his choice. God is pleading with man to turn from his sinful ways so that he might live. But they refuse. And they die in their sins. And Jesus said in Matthew 18, 11, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. You see, he comes looking for us. And as John 3, 36 says, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. 
God says, and this is the third point, turn and live. He says, turn. And that's what that passage said that we just read. He said, turn. I don't want you to die in your sins. I don't have any pleasure of, of the death of the wicked. I don't take pleasure in people going to hell. I, it, it hurts his heart. He despairs of that. And that's why many of us have come to Christ in odd situations, at odd ages, and odd circumstances, and we wonder why, because he takes no pleasure in you going to hell and me going to hell. And he kept pushing and pushing and putting his finger on us and his finger on us and bringing people into our life and helping us to hear the message over and over and over. And he sent prophets and servants to just give us the message. And they say to each of us, turn, turn, turn from your wicked ways. But you have not paid attention or listened to him. But it is not because of him that we die in our sins. Because he takes no pleasure in it. It hurts his heart. And we went uh, a little further because I should have been looking at the clock. And I apologize. But I hope you got that message that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And, you know, one of the great verses I love is John 3.16. You know, people love it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? We love that verse. And isn't that a wonderful verse? Because he... He loved us so much that he gave us his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life. Because I take no pleasure in you going to hell. I want you to have eternal life with me and not be separated from me. But you know what? The next verse really kicks it into me. It really does. For God, because God didn't come into the world to what? To condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. He says, I did not come to condemn anybody in this room or anybody in this world. I didn't come to cause any pain in your life, any suffering in your life. I didn't come that you might go to hell. I came that you might go to heaven. I came that you might have life and have it to the full. I came that you would be free from your sins and that we would one day dine together forever in paradise. Now, I read a story, and I want to read this to you because we, we need to read it before we end. In 1982, ABC and Evening News reported on an unusual work of modern art. 1982. Now, I didn't see this, and, you know, I thank God I didn't see it because it was pretty bizarre. It says, there was a chair affixed to a shotgun. Now, anybody in here that went there, don't tell anybody if you went and checked this art out. Because it was a chair affixed to a shotgun. And it was viewed, it was to be viewed by sitting in the chair looking directly into the gun barrel. Listen to this. The gun was loaded and set on a timer to fire at an undetermined moment within the next hundred years. The amazing thing was that people waited in lines to sit and stare into the shell's path. They waited in line. Now, I'm th thinking, nutcase. <laughs> <coughs> but they waited in line. They all knew the gun could go off at any moment, and it was point blank. 
and they were gambling that the fatal blast wouldn't happen during their one minute in the chair. Can you imagine there's a clock and it's ticking? And you're sitting there and the barrel's looking at you and you gotta be thinking, I'm an idiot at this point. Now maybe at first it's like it looks really great, but those barrels looking at us like, oh, honey, I, I think I'm an idiot. Because this doesn't make any sense. And, six, and we know what it's like. 60 seconds, you tell me. It was like an hour to some people. And it's just tick, 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 and you're looking at a barrel. But they were gambling that the fatal blast wouldn't happen during their minute in the chair. Yes, it's foolhardedly. Yet many people who wouldn't dream of sitting in that chair live a lifetime gambling that they can get away with sin. Foolishly, they ignore the risk until the in inevitable self-destruction comes. It's the same thing when we say, no, 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 Lord, no. It's a shotgun pointed right at us, and we don't know when it's going to go off. When we're going to die, we have no clue. But, but because the God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked and he's so compassionate, we have basically, we kind of take for granted God and say, I'm going to do what I want to do. And another story says, I read when there was a terrible, terrible plague in ancient uh, Athens, people were committed to, to every horrible crime and engaged in every lustful pleasure and they that they could because they believed that life was short and that they would never have to pay any penalty. And we hear that, life's short, I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, I want you to know today that there's a gun barrel pointed right at each one of us. And that's death. And it's going to go off. There's nobody that's gotten away with that yet. It's going to go off one day and we're going to die. Are we going to die in our sins? Or are we going to die having Christ in our hearts? And his master plan was, I came, and he died on the cross so that that penalty that we deserve would not have to be paid. And that's what Calvary's all about. That's what that God who says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, says, I don't take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, so I'm going to pay the price for the wicked so that the wicked can get into the gates of the kingdom of heaven. And all you have to do is just believe on me. I paid the price. I died so that you would have life to the full. Isn't that beautiful? That's the God that Christians sometimes don't represent properly. That's the true God, the one that says, I take no pleasure in you going to hell. I take no pleasure in you dying in your sins. So I came up with a formula, a plan, a plan of Calvary. The great plan to save the wicked. He didn't just say, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He said, I have a plan so the wicked don't have to die in their sins. Anybody in here that's not dying in your sins? Praise God, right? That Jesus has now entered your heart, and now you, when you die, when that barrel goes off, believe me, it can go off with me right now. And I'd be happy in Jesus because I'm going to be with him. And anybody in here that knows him can say that. But if you don't know him, you better be looking at those seconds and understand that it's not because of God and because of his love that you were, would be going to hell without him. It would be because you keep saying no. No thanks. 
He keeps pressing you. Say, nope, don't push there. But he takes no pleasure in any of us going to hell. Great verse, isn't it? I love you, so I take no pleasure in hell. Now, we're going to end, and you're going to get to go home. And I'm sorry I kept you as long as I kept you. But I hope today you make a choice. Because he, just because he keeps allowing you to come in or just because you came in this day, look at the people who maybe came for the first time, how God said to them, he orchestrated events to bring you in here because he takes no pleasure in you going to hell without him. And he says, I have just a simple formula, simple plan. All you have to do is accept me, and I will give you the ticket, as Dean mentioned, to get on the bus. And the bus is leaving. It is. It's leaving one day. Are you going to be on the bus? And if you're not on the bus, it's not because of Lord Jesus. It's not because of God. He keeps talking. He keeps sending out the message. He keeps calling. And you keep saying no. And he takes no pleasure in that. He is not happy. You, you understand that? He's not happy. Let's bow our heads and I, I pray that somebody today just says, Lord, I, I, I really want to, to allow you to come into my heart and change me. I, I pray that you say that today. And if you say that, just put your hand up and it's like, I, I, I don't want to die as a wicked person. I, I, I want that gift that God says and the Lord Jesus Christ is offering today. And all you have to do is just put your hand up. Eyes are closed and people are just praying and people are, are here and, and it's, it's a blessing that we're here together. But is anybody here today that wants to say, I want to allow Christ to come into my heart so that I could be with him forever? You have an opportunity today to do that. And all you have to do is just put your hand up and back down. See you, brother. Honestly, it's, it's, it's simple. I take no pleasure in you leaving this place without me. I take no pleasure in you keep coming and playing the game like you know me and you don't. I take no pleasure in you dying in your sins because I want you to be with me. I take no pleasure that you're not living a life that's to the full. I take no pleasure that you're going to die in your sins. I want you to live forever with me. If you could say, yes, I do, then put your hand up and say, Lord, I want you to come into my life. And all you have to do is put your hand up. And I'll pray for you and you go home with him. Anybody? I see you, brother. God bless you. Anybody else? It's a great choice, isn't it? Just make the choice. He's pressing. He's loving. He takes no pleasure in you saying no. Satan does, but he doesn't. He wants you to say yes. Yes to the, the Lord Jesus. Yes, I love you. I want to be with you. Yes, I want to have that life that you're calling me to have and to offer that great gift. Anybody else? Anybody else? The Lord is talking. Would you like to have him today? Lord, we thank you for these moments I I'm, I'm just so overwhelmed with the quality and the, the measure of your love for each one of us, how you just allow us to come and go without you. 
And you don't give us what we deserve because you love us so much. Because you take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And for Christians, you don't take any pleasure of the life that we have, the struggles that we have either. You take no pleasure in the pain that we share because you're a good God and you only want the best for us. So we, we pray for the believers as well, that we would be reminded that God takes no pleasure in anything that harms us. He's only for our good. And these two hands that put their hand up today, Lord, we just pray that you would go into their lives and change them. Give them that wonderful life that you offer each one of us. And for those that are walking out of these doors, I just pray that you wouldn't leave them, that you'd be the hound of heaven, that as they're walking and driving and listening, that you would not let this message get away from them, that they would hear the voice of love and it would never go away until they respond because you take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And we love you and we praise you in your name. Amen.